The insurance is a complex world. Every state has its own set of rules and regulations. You have plans that follow federal guidelines. You have plans that follow state guidelines. You have plans that do their own thing with regards to requirements of, of patient eligibility, how to be eligible for that payer source. You have plans that have their own requirements with regards to how fast you need to file the claim you know, from the data service. You have plans that have their own requirements for appealing those claims, right? How, how much, you know, if there's a denied claim, how much time do I have to appeal that claim? There's various different challenges in an ever-changing industry that's very hard to get a handle on. So, you know, get, grasping it and having a, a tight handle on, on that whole operation is, is very challenging. Welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast, your go-to source for professional insights in the long-term care industry. Hear from leaders and experts as they share current and practical insights to help make the most of your day. I'm a long-term care financial specialist. What that means is I help people plan for the inevitable. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to think about getting old, but it's possible that someday we might need a little bit of care. Here's your host, nursing home administrator turned podcaster, Shmuel Welcome to another live broadcast of the Nursing Home Podcast, the podcast that you've learned to follow and trust where we discuss and really dig in to the issues, the challenges, and the unique aspects of the nursing home industry. In today's podcast, we want to make sure you do not leave any money on the table. So I got some questions. Who am I talking to? Is this administrators, owners? Well, I'm not going to answer that question yet. But to address that, we're bringing on Israel Rosenberg. Israel Rosenberg of Comprehensive AR Solutions. Again, we're going to have a conversation about that today and discuss the challenges that exist right now. But before we even jump there, you guys know who I am a little bit. Don't know, may not know who Israel is, but I'm sure many people do. If you don't mind taking a moment, just letting our listeners or viewers understand how you got to doing what you're doing professionally. How did you get involved in this very, very specific niche part of this industry? And by the way, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Shmuel. I'm really glad to, and excited to be on here. Thank you for the warm introduction. So how I got started, what you know, doing what I'm doing. My career started actually in this industry, in the accounts receivable and billing industry. I started, my first job was in a thriving company, which was providing something really unique to a client base and owners, operators out there in the world with you know solving real problems. The air industry is, is an industry that's very complex. A lot of people struggle in this area. And honestly work, you know, my with, with my first opportunity that I had in this company, seeing the uniqueness of the service that we provide and 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 the solutions and the problem solving, you know, that we were providing to our client base, which were very real problems, you know, and I'm sure we'll get to that in a little bit. So I wanted to take an opportunity to be a bigger part of this company and to have a higher level involvement in a company that, like I said, is providing a unique service and problem solving and answering questions and navigating through difficulties, which a lot of people face out there. So that's that's really the story. You know, took an opportunity from bottom up in a company that was already thriving, but, you know, wanted to wanted to bring it next level and, and to, like I said, have a high level involvement in this type of company. And that's where I am today, you know, partner and CEO, COO at Comprehensive AR Solutions. And it's been a fun ride. So I will just give a, first of all, thank you for sharing that. I will give a nursing home example of, from my administrator days, I always loved watching a CNA work their way up 
to LPN to RN to unit manager to some other MDS or if it was ADON, DON, regionals, people really worked their way up the ladder. And it used to bother me when it, people weren't going down that path. And I realized that not everybody's wired to go that way. But anyone who works their way up for any company from the bottom up has a real, real uh, deep understanding of the problems that the company solves, how you solve it. And many times it's best equipped to change, adjust, grow just because you have such a strong you know, background within the business. So the topic of today's conversation is don't leave money on the table. If you are a nursing home operator, counter to popular belief, they're not running around many uh, with tons of extra money and maximizing every single penny that they should be getting. Now, let's just let's be very straight and transparent. Healthcare is a business for the most part. There are, there are many nonprofits, but the for-profit industry Many of them provide a very high level of care, and it's a business. They could sell eggs and potatoes. They could open a restaurant. They could drive cars, and they could Uber or Lyft, or they could buy real estate. And they're choosing to, to make a business out of providing healthcare, and they're entitled to the compensation that's already set for them for providing the care. It's not, it's not a freebie that they get. They're spending millions and millions of dollars on that care. What is this? What What does that mean? Leaving money on the table. What is this? We're talking about smart operators. How can it be that there's money? And also, can you quantify this problem for us a little bit? So first, I want to say that I'm jealous of that iHeartRadio mic that you have. Every time I look at you, I get distracted. But I get that all the time. To pull back on something that you said, because you're excluding not-for-profits from this conversation, we actually have a healthy not-for-profit client base. Not-for-profits need to make payroll, too. Not-for-profits need to pay their vendors, too. You know, money doesn't grow on trees. You have to get that money from somewhere. And every business and organization that has employees and has, that has an overhead needs cash flow, right? They need, they need money coming in, which is, again, the problem that we're solving. So this is for non-for-profits and for-profits alike. Okay, fair enough. So tell us, what is the nature of the problem? Obviously, if they provide care, they're going to bill for the care. So tell us a little bit more about the types of payers and how is it possible that we can end up with not collecting money that's due to the, that's owed to them? So I want to start by, you know, before we talk about how, just real facts, the industry standard out there, and there's a problem in this industry with collecting on receivables at a high percentage. The industry standard out there is, you know, bad debt ranging from three to 5%. And when I say bad debt, I refer to uncollectible receivables. Okay. And not just uncollectible, but uncollected, right? We're talking about wrapping up the books at the end of the year. How much am I you know, submitting to submitting as, as just not collected and dead money. So three to 5%, which leaves a big hole in a nursing home operation, right? You know, let's talk about a facility that's, you know, running on average, let's say $8 million a year in revenue, right? So that number can run um, anywhere from 500,000 to more on bad debt. And when I say bad debt, I'm talking about uncollectible money, right? It's an industry terminology. So mm-hmm. We're talking about a, a reality out there where operators, you know, mid-range operators are leaving hundreds of thousands of dollars a year on the table. So there could be an operation, you know, an operator that's 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 less, you know, 12 million, million in sales. You can have 30 million, but, you know, the percentage is going to be based on whatever your gross your gross sales are. So it's definitely a real problem. How do how do operators get to that problem? That's that's a good question. 
you know, Shmuel, me and you have spoken in the past and, you know, you know that I can sit here and, and, and talk probably for five hours straight on multiple different scenarios and, and, and situations that lead to, to an un uncollectible stay. We'll talk high level, just some basic concepts, right? Hold on. Okay, um, let, me, let me just jump in for a second before we do that. You mentioned earlier about sub submitting your three to five percent bad debt. Yeah. What does that mean, submitting it? And is there any is there any type of credit at all that operators get when they do submit their bad debt? It's, it's a great question. So when I was saying the word submitting, I was talking about more like resigning, right? Resigning to the fact that they have to leave that much money on the table. There is a way for providers to get reimbursed on a small percentage of, of what they write off, and that's Medicare coinsurance. Okay, so Medicare has a whopper daily coinsurance, which every operator has a hard time collecting on. And, and no matter how good you are, you're going to have Medicare coinsurance that's left on the table. So Medicare does reimburse, you know, when accountants submit their cost report to Medicare, there is some sort of reimbursement, but that's only a fraction of, of you know, of the write-offs that are out there. When it comes to writing off a managed care claim, or when it comes to writing off an actual Medicare claim, right? Mm -hmm. Where you didn't even get paid from, from Medicare for the primary, or if somebody who's paying out of pocket as a private pay or Medicaid, there's no way to get reimbursed on that. I mean, you could talk tax breaks depending on how people file their taxes, but there's no way to get money back on what on what's uh, you know, on on what's being submitted as a write-off. Okay, fair enough. So, fine. I just wanted to clarify that point. That don't think that because there is some reimbursement for bad debt, that you shouldn't be aggressively pursuing ways of actually collecting on that debt. Obviously, it's only a small percentage, and we want to get we want to turn that three or five percent into as close to zero as possible. So, so now going back to where you were before, so give us some uh, high level scenarios of how such a thing can happen. So I, I want to talk about the actual challenges, you know, that occur. And then, you know, let's talk about also the management challenges that come along with it, right? Because okay. no matter what you're doing, there's going to be problems, but it's manageable or is it manageable, right? So there's problems and there's also problem. There's also issues with managing those problems. So you know, the insurance is a complex world. Every state has its own set of rules and regulations. You have plans that follow federal guidelines. You have plans that follow state guidelines. You have plans that do their own thing with regards to requirements of, of patient eligibility, how to be eligible for that payer source. You have plans that have their own requirements with regards to how fast you need to file the claim, you know, from the data service. You have plans that have their own requirements for appealing those claims, right? How, how much, you know, if there's a denied claim, how much time do I have to appeal that claim? There's various different challenges in an ever-changing industry that's very hard to get a handle on. So, you know, get, grasping it and having a, a tight handle on, on that whole operation is, is very challenging. And the main problem is that operators are focused on patient care, or they would like to be focused on patient care, right? I know that you entered the wonderful world of staffing, which we'll get to in a little bit, Patient care, especially, you know, in the times of COVID, right? It's, you have your hands full making sure that your facility is, you know, you're, 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 you're managing your census properly, your marketing team, your staffing issues, your nursing issues, your clinical issues, your quality of care, your documentation, your MDSs. It's a tremendous operation. And the AR aspect is only one snippet of that, but it requires a lot of management. You have every operator has hundreds and hundreds of lines of outstanding receivables, okay? Every patient in its own payer source, and you could have one patient that has multiple payer sources that are outstanding, right? So you're talking patient by patient, line by line. It's very tedious, very nitty gritty, and very cumbersome to, to overcome and to manage. And, and for operators that wanna be focused on patient care, managing the AR is simply not something that they have time for. 
So you have a management problem in terms of, you know, being able to keep a handle on it. And, and, and you know, again, like I told you, I can, I can talk, I can talk, you know, endlessly about some of the, the specific challenges, but one very, very popular challenge out there, which is something that our organization is a real solution for, and we're really unique in, in, in providing this solution, um, is that billing is an end, is end of stay or an end of month cycle, right? Medicare gets billed at the end of the month, okay? HMOs get billed at the end of the month. For patients that are Medicaid pending, just to give a, a, a brief explanation of what that means, Medicaid pending refers to the time period that a patient is applying for Medicaid. Okay, so most patients who need Medicaid for long-term care don't actually have Medicaid for long-term care in place when they're coming into the facility. Some of them may not have any Medicaid at all, and some of them have Medicaid, but it's only Medicaid for the community, right? They could see doctors, they can, you know, get a hospital visit, but they're not eligible for nursing home long-term care. But they'll all come in and they'll tell the business office manager, yeah, we have Medicaid. Medicaid standard, of course, no problem. Then you come in, it's like, no, the different exactly. Medicaid. Or, you know, mom and dad qualifies, right? They're, they're, they're poor. I know that they're poor. There's, there's no money. There's nothing there, which, which is, you know, gets into the screening process, which I'll get to in a little bit. But, you know, pr- doing your due diligence to verify the financial information is really important because there's been so many scenarios where a patient comes into the facility, the responsible party or power of attorney says, um, sure, mom and dad are eligible. There's two bank accounts and combined there's only a thousand dollars. But when you get your hands on those accounts, you see that there was, you know, fifty thousand dollars transferred out of one of those accounts three months before the patient came into the nursing home, which is a potential disqualifier. And again, Shmuel, I can go on and on. Why is that a potential disqualifier? Is it nationwide? Yes, it is nationwide. But you know, the the, the various everything. So but let's not get sidetracked. The, the bottom line is that, you know, when you're 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 you, if you're just going to be billing and focusing on, you know, getting your claims out properly and even billing timely, you're doing it at the end of the month or, you know, if a patient's Medicaid pending, you can't bill during that pending process, which could take three, six, nine months, and you can only bill once the patient's approved for Medicaid. So billing by nature is a, it's a reactive process, right? They're, you're billing at the end of the month or when a patient gets approved for Medicaid. Now, so what what could be the problem with such a scenario or such a such a situation? You're billing Medicare at the end of the month. Patient comes in on April first. By the time you get your MDS is submitted, you know you're mid May. You're only getting your claim response from Medicare two weeks later, and Medicare is lightning fast. Okay, so we're not even going to talk about HMOs. We'll get to that in a minute. But when I get my denial potentially from Medicare, I'm talking about two months addressing a denied claim from two months after the date of service. Okay. okay. So let's talk about what that denial might be. It could be that the patient got denied Medicare because admissions did a great job on verifying the patient's insurance when they came into the facility, but they didn't know that the last minute while the patient was still in the hospital, they enrolled in a managed care for the next month. Okay. They ran their insurance and it was, it was, it was before the patient actually admitted. And there was, there was an enrollment that, that, that occurred. So Medicare is now denying the claim because the patient's enrolled in a managed care. So okay. problem solved. Well- so then why can't you get reimbursed from the managed care? Exactly. So you need to problem solve, right? You need to say, okay, is it eligible for H for managed care reimbursement? Does a patient need to apply for Medicaid? So let's talk about getting reimbursed from, from the managed care. The managed care requires pre-authorization, right? Almost every contract has that. There needs to be an, a pre-authorization. Most insurances are not going to go back two months and give you an authorization, you know, when you call them two months later. As a provider, you need to do your due diligence at the time of stay to make sure that you're crossing your T's and dotting your I's to ensure that you have a an insurance authorization. That's what most of them will tell you. So nine times out of 10, you're not gonna be able to get the, that retroactive authorization. 
I shouldn't say nine times out of 10, but very, very often you won't get them. Medicare, which is like the quickest turnaround time. Let's talk about managed cares, right? Managed care is the same thing. You call them at day 30 and they say, I don't even want to talk to you. The claim is still processing. 30 days later, you get a denial because, you know, the, 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 the patient wasn't authorized for the, for the, for the cost of care, right? You, you, you thought you got an authorization, your admissions team sent it off to your, to your, your MDS team or your clinical team or whoever it is that's supposed to be maintaining those authorizations. And it simply wasn't there. Again, you're not even talking two months back, you're talking three, four months back. Okay. So let's talk about, okay, let's work on Medicaid as an alternate solution, right? You mm -hmm. can get Medicaid. So again, you're, you're, you're working reactively. Does the patient qualify for Medicaid? right? The patient may have qualified for Medicaid if you would have spent them down timely, but most states have a rule that if they don't qualify for the, for the specific month of the service, you can't go back, right? So let's talk about states that have a, an asset limit of $2,000, right? The yep. patient can have more than $2,000 in their account. They can have $2,010, okay? And that's going to render them ineligible in many states for the entire course of the stay. So there's real problems with working reactively. Yeah. Right. Right. No. And I mean, that's something that could easily be resolved with taking a haircut in the facility or if buying a pack of cigarettes. It, exactly. If you're dealing with it proactively, listen, most of these problems are resolvable, which is why um, we've successfully been able to collect, you know, 99 plus percent of, of, of the AR that we're billing out. And that's because wow. when you work proactively and you solutionize at the time of stay and making sure that you have somebody who has eyes on the patient's payer source, Nine 99% of problems have solutions. Uh, yeah, I, I, I barely found a problem that didn't have a solution. And again, you know, it's a nationwide audience and every state has their own rules and like regulations. Some are more flexible than others, but you can always problem solve. The question is, how soon are you identifying the problem? Okay, so <laughs> let me just jump in for a second. First of all, we interrupt this broadcast just to say hi from- Hi, LA. LA. I didn't realize that. I wasn't sure if that was like a side chat or that's public to everybody. No, uh, it's one of the only uh, Medicaid application softwares out there. Okay, look at that. And that's probably why he put that there. But moving right along, that was just, just a little break in the action. But let's just zoom out for a moment. So you're talking about very tedious, very specific, very uh, specific tasks that have to happen consistently. And, you know, we need to have people to track exactly where each resident is up to at every point, every part of the state, and <clears throat> even touched on you know, a bunch of spe specific scenarios where things could have gone wrong and, and where things do go wrong. That, that, but, the, the, the reactive, proactive problem, I, I think, is the number one problem out there. Um, okay. It, well, it, hold on one second. So let me just get my question out here. My so, question is like this. Other problems, but we'll, that's the number one problem. Yeah, sure. Okay. So the question is, nursing home operators are very smart. They, they, you know, they know what they're doing, they, especially if it's a for-profit. And like you pointed out correctly, so before that, even if they're nonprofit, they still need to, uh, they still need to deal with all their expenses and they have to, you know, they have to be, they have to be positive, uh, whatever, whatever the word is I'm looking for. But cash, the point is cash flow positive. Yeah. It's at the crux. Yeah. So the question is like this, this is not, I know that's hundreds of lines of, you know, of payer sources and residents and it's tedious, but this is where it's at, right? This is where the business is. Just like what you have a P&L for a, a, any business, right? You have your profit and loss statement. It's not just another task to do. Like this is where you put the most attention and you know, and you build the business around that. You can, a P&L is also reactive, right? And a P&L is going to tell you what happened a while ago, which is kind of a similar problem to this, which just by the way, parenthetically, there are companies, give a shout out to Megadata, nursing home companies specifically, 
where they have something called a daily PNL for this reason, so that they can track it in real time. Mm-hmm. But putting that aside, this is this should and probably is something that is tracked carefully by many nursing home operators. Is do you really like when you come into an account that you know someone's hiring you? Obviously, if they're at three percent bad debt and they want to get to ninety nine percent plus, so yeah, obviously that's a lot of money. It's a no brainer. Do you come in there and find like crazy things? I, I'll give you one example, and then I'll let you talk. Yes, I'll My you. first business office manager position. I zero training, absolutely no idea what my responsibilities were in that role. I came into that office and literally found tens of thousands of dollars worth of checks and uh, just money that wasn't processed all over the desk, on the floor, you know, emails that weren't sent. I, it was just, it, it was, it was a disaster. Was it a for-profit group? I'm not going to talk about the group, but the point I, is, I know it was a for-profit group. So let me ask you a question. Did they, did, how, how was that? How was that? So, right. That's, that's proving the concept yeah. of. On that level, I can understand you have a bad employee and the employee is leaving. So they could be they're leaving for a reason. But on a corporate level, let's say you have a company that has 10 facilities or 15 facilities, 20 facilities. Do you ever come in and find a complete disaster or are you in the business of fine tuning? Some and some. I've seen complete disasters. All right. Tell, tell us about your worst disaster, if you're allowed to. With hiding the identifying information. Okay, um, worst is going to get your mind thinking because you want to know worst and second to worst. A bad case, an exciting, fun case. The the you know the let, let's talk about global, right? General. Okay, so I want to answer your question. Nursing home operators are smart for the most part, and they and many of them do have a tight handle on 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 you know on on many aspects of their business. The the billing world is very tedious, like I mentioned, and it's very easy to get suckered into excuses. You let's let's let me paint you an example of something that I see all the time. So you have okay. a, a patient who the scenario that I just told you, okay? You have a patient who was who came in as Medicare but really enrolled in a managed care. I mean, what 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 do you do to 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 mitigate such a problem? Do you really want the nursing home operator who's very sharp to run every single insurance verification? and do mid-stay verifications while the patient's in the building. I mean, it's simply not something that's feasible, not something that they have the manpower for, you know, or something that, you know, I I spoke about excuses before. The nurse, let me just put it this way. Medicaid eligibility in many states takes a a, a month-long training to understand the nuances and what Medicaid requires, what the obligations are, how the caseworkers, the caseworkers are on the, the Medicaid end, you know, processing the cases, how they process the cases, what they like to see on their cases, which nobody has time to learn, right? You, a nursing home operator doesn't have time to learn about the specific nuances. So the result of that could be, you know, uneducated staff or staff that are not performing at a high level, that are not crossing their D's, their T's and dotting their I's. So, you know, for example, you know, Medicaid application was submitted with, 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 with you know, the the full the full the full the full amount of bank statements that was requested. Okay. Okay. Somebody didn't look at them. Somebody didn't look at the bank statements. And there was a transaction which linked to another account that somebody missed. Okay. That other account, okay, showed a uh, a full blown bank account, which by the way didn't have any money in it, but there was an income source going into the account every single month and somebody was taking that money. What Medicaid now Medicaid, believe it or not, even though Medicaid is for poor people, right? Medicaid has a copay which is every state has a, their own terminology for it. Some define it as NAMI in New York, patient liability, client participation. Basically, patients are obligated to pay their income towards their cost of care, right? Okay. And if you're looking at a, a Medicaid case, okay, and not identifying every single source of income that's there, 
then you can have a, a patient who's in your facility not paying that bill until Medicaid identifies it for you six months later, you know, have fun trying to go ahead and collect it. So the, 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 the tediousness and the complexities and the, and the far ranging rules is, 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 is the answer to your question in terms of it's simply put a, a really hard industry to get a handle on it. And by the way, the scenarios that I'm detailing is something that every single operator hears and knows about. Oftentimes they feel like there is no solution to it. Like what could I have done better? But there are solutions to it, and there are there are ways of identifying things and being very proactive on every single patient's day, and and every operator can or CFO can relate to the scenarios that I'm talking about. Oh yeah, I've heard that. I've got I've had problems with that. You know, our our smartest I shouldn't say our smartest client because all our clients are smart, but you know some people are micromanagers on, on yeah micromanagers on various different levels. People who are you know tight micromanagers who were being sold, you know, answers by their Medicaid coordinator or their business office that they had no idea how to identify if it was true or not, right? They, they tell you the insurance changed their rule after I sent a claim and that's why the claim got denied. How are you, you going to know if that's true or not, right? You know, uh, UBs, which I'll is- I'll tell you, hold on. I'll tell you how you know that. Because if you become a nursing home operator, because you started out in the business office and then <laughs> you went up, you became a ministry, you became a regional, and then you became a partner in a nursing home, like you did in your business and like the CNA we described at the beginning of this conversation, then you're going to know that this guy is pulling the wool over you. Yeah, I know. It's an ever, it's an ever changing industry. I mean, we've, 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 we've draft. I mean, I'm, I'm in the company for eight years and there's, you know, drastic changes that we've implemented company wide because Medicaid is an ever changing industry. Some States decide to go manage care, right? We're going to do away with Medicaid and we're going to go manage care, which comes with a whole set of new requirements for the billing team. Right. So it's an ever-changing industry. There's a lot of moving parts. Ever, you know, things are things are changing. You know, Medicare used to have qualifying hospital stays. They're not qualifying hospital stays anymore. And by the way, there's talk about you know eliminating that entirely, not just during the pandemic. But things for, are changing. What's that? You talking about from Medicare? Medicare, yeah. Why would they do that? Why would they eliminate the three-day hospital stays? Yeah. Because if a patient needs skilled nursing care, why should they be required to sit in a hospital for three days before that? I mean, you have so many so many hospitals that are literally you know ready for discharge. And they're literally keeping patients in a, in a hospital for that third night so that they can cross the T and say, okay, patient was here for three days. Okay, uh, so really this, what, this is a whole problem. A whole different conversation. Right. I mean, but it's just, it's a, it's a whole, it's indicative that the rule maybe never really made sense to begin with. And just now that we had the opportunity to do away with it, we're like, you know, let's do away with it. It's like with many things. It's like with many things. Like who's looking at every piece of, you know, of, of legislation that's out there, right? It's been created over years and years of, you know, high level decisions that were made based on what made sense then. But it, mm -hmm. like I said, it's an ever changing industry. There's so many moving parts. So if you were in the industry and a business office manager, small, you know, uh, I don't know how many years ago you stepped into that, that business office, but let's say it was seven years ago, it's a whole new world today. And I guarantee you that you'd fail on your first day back because of all the changes that happened. So you can have somebody that's very familiar but not familiar with the changes that are being made. And by the way, how many operators do we see that, you know, had their experience in New York and then bought facilities in Nebraska or, you know, Texas? Every state really has their own unique way of operating on the billing side and the Medicaid application side. So that's why you need an expert in that specific area. Somebody who's following the trends to be able to identify, implement and, you know, plan processes to mitigate those issues and those changes. Okay. So here's a question. So you have an operator. They understand everything that you're saying. They try to, their best to do what they're going to do. And th they know that some of these answers are incorrect and they don't deal with it. Well, what's what's going to happen with them? What's wrong if they leave things the way they are? Who doesn't want to collect on everything that they've 
they've they've you know that they've provided services for. I mean, if you ask any operator out there, I mean, do you want to know that whether or not they'll go under if they're not addressing the problems? Some and some. I mean, we've stepped into clients that were on the verge of going under, if not for the fact that we came in, collected a lot of old money, and made changes moving forward. But even if not, well, right, if an operator is profitable and they're able to. You got to stop right there. So if I'm not even talking specifically about your company, but it, it it's a very very difficult industry. All right, the profit margins are slim to begin with. Right, it's very very expensive to provide good care, mm-hmm. and the, and like you said in the beginning, many operators go and their intention is to provide very high level of care, and their heart is in the right place, and they they really go the extra mile to provide the care, but then they find out that. Not, not just not profitable, they're not breaking even, they're losing money year over year. And and like and like you said, they could be at the verge of saying, you know, this is not working, we got to close up shop, or we got to bring someone else in here who, who can figure out how to do this for a profit. And just by doing this properly, we're not talking about collecting versus not collecting. We're talking about someone who's doing a good job and getting 97% of their collectibles, but if now they get 99% of their collections, that could be the difference between staying in business and being profitable. Uh, th- this could be the whole profit margin right here. So, so that that that's a pretty powerful statement. So, doing the difference in good and great as far as your collections could be the difference between survival and profitability. And so, which is fantastic. So, w- what are some things that nursing home operators can do today in house that might be able to help them? somewhat and maybe even give us just like one or two things it might be able to do to help them with this process you know something they can implement right away so i i think that you know to to touch on a point that we've spoken about in the past which is so common every single billing team has to have a incorporated into a a, a organization or facilities billing team there has to be a team or individual that's dedicated on watching the patient from the point of admission to discharge making sure that you're working proactively okay and we could talk about you know there's there's a lot of different aspects that go into it right because every pay every payer source has their own requirement so what do i do on a medicare patient to make sure that i'm you know that i'm watching it proactively what do i do on an hmo patient so there's obviously we're not going to get into that because every payer source specifically has its own answers but you need to incorporate in your billing team um, a team that's watching patient stays on a proactive basis so that you're not falling victim to being reactive. And, and that's, and by the way, that's just, it's a staffing thing, right? It's, it's about making sure it's a, I shouldn't say staffing thing, cause I'm going to get to the staffing discussion in a minute, but it's a manpower thing. People underestimate the manpower that's necessary to have a high level operation. And this is something that's absolutely key. If you don't have a proactive person, you will fail inevitably. And it's not, maybe you'll fail. You will fail. There is an absolute need to watch something on a proactive basis and not just work reactively. So this is not something to just add to a receptionist that between phone calls to try to look through a spreadsheet and right. try This is something that requires, so it sounds like it requires two things. This has to be like a priority, a focus for whoever it is that's tracking the patients. And there's also, they have to have some level of competence with the Medicaid, Medicare managed care of how, how reimbursement works. And what are the things that, are important today that will affect reimbursement down the road. Because we know that the payment may not come for 60, 90 days. But right now, me filling out this form right now with insurance and getting that prior authorization or sending the update in a timely you know, manner and even just developing relationships you know, with the case managers at the insurance companies, you know, these are things that are critical to the success of fully collecting on, on the care that, that we 
that we deliver, the, the fantastic care. So you're saying personnel, just having someone dedicated to this, yeah, obviously that is key. What Does that person really need to be the expert in all of these things? Yes, because you have every payer source walking through the door on every single facility out there, right? So you need to be watching Medicare's, HMOs, Medicaid, patient portion, patient liability, private pay. You need to be experienced and knowledgeable and proficient in in right. the, the, the rules and regulations that apply to each payer source. Right. I mean, and if this by one... the way, it's not just having a body; it's also having a body that's it's it's really having a bridge, right? Making sure that it's somebody that's incorporated into your billing team. A lot of facilities may have somebody. But they're not collaborating with their billing department. It's it's one it's one team. Got it. Got it. I mean, you can probably have uh, less experienced, less skilled people who are doing the basic tracking, and then you can have you know some people who understand what what that means. As one person will report that now this person is managed care may have have no idea what that means. But as long as they're in touch with the rest of the team, who knows? Okay, now do the following steps. That that might be able to work to to some extent. I also want to touch on another point, right? How operators can help themselves. Again, staffing and making sure that you're adequately staffed. And and I spoke about proactive and not reactive, but let's forget the proactive, you know, the, the proactive department, okay? Even on the billing side, right? With, you know, the 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 amount and, and I, I I keep on saying this, but it's so true that the amount of staff that's needed to properly bill for a facility at a high level is really, really underestimated, right? So I think that. You know, when it comes to CNAs or nursing or admissions departments or, you know, social work departments, there is a universal accepted staffing requirement that people understand. So you know what you need to staff for. And now you have a staffing problem, right? So, by the way, reach out to Shmuel's Optimist because he can help you with that. But the first, the first thing is recognizing if you have a staffing problem, right? You can only staff properly or at least attempt to staff properly if you know that you have a problem. In the billing world, you know, one of the challenges that we see is that people underestimate the amount of manpower that's needed. If you have one biller, okay, you know, who's tasked with making sure that all payer sources are, 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 are collected, does that person have time to spend an hour on the phone with an insurance company fighting a claim, okay, I don't know, 12 hours a week, yet also make sure that her UBO4s and her claims have every single line item checked off properly on the, on the, on the UBs? Right. Because, you know, for example, you can have an insurance authorization. OK, many, many insurance companies require that insurance authorizations be listed on the claim. If you have one digit off, you can have a denied claim. So do you have and it and all comes down, down to, to being diligent and having ample time to do what you need to do. Right. You don't want to have a cash flow problem. You don't want to send out an insurance claim and then get denied. You want to be able to work on it on the front end. So. Do you have enough time and staff hours allocated to the tedious task of making sure that everything is built properly, being on top of the research in terms of you know rules and regulations that are changing within the insurance companies? Because an insurance com- company can say from one day to the next, by the way, I need this thing in line, in line item number four, which I didn't previously require. So it, it, it comes down to just, just being diligent and having amount, the, the proper amount of people. And, and I think that that's something that's very, very under, underestimated in this industry. And I think that providers need to take a hard look at, okay, how much time am I allocating to my facility? And we can help with that, you know, just on a consulting basis. How much time do I need to allocate towards my facility? And do I have enough manpower, right? If my biller goes out on sick leave, does she have enough time to make sure that she's backpedaling fast enough to, to, to not miss any timely filing in addition to 
maintaining the current caseload of the ongoing weekly or monthly billing. And that's something that's a problem, which is which 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 can be solved if you're identifying your staffing needs properly. Okay, so that's a you know very valuable point. So if operators saying, oh, I'll do it in-house, I'm like, okay, great, knock yourself out, do it in-house, be successful at doing it in-house, but realize, you know, this is what it's going to take. So now if, if an operator realizes that they don't have the manpower and they they don't can't afford the manpower f- to do this process and they want to bring in comprehensive AR solutions, how do you interface with the facility and what type of like immediate relief are they going to see? Depending on the scope of the of the, uh, depending you know uh, to answer the 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 what type of immediate relief right depending on the, the scope of the the issues that the facility is facing and depending on um, the facility size it can be immediate you know first month of our service we're, we're we're making sure that the claims are built timely properly adequately making sure that every single patient in your facility is Medicaid eligible if they're Medicaid pending or it can be a process of a couple of months. You know, if it's a really big facility that has like real surgery that needs to be that needs to be done. Now, you know, in terms of the the integration and and how we interface, it's a great question. So we have multiple teams within our company. We have the the front facing client facing integration team and, and and transitions team that's working on the facility level to make sure that from day one there is constant communication with every team that relates to AR on process changes that need to be made. And that's, you know, that's seamless as long as we have operation support on making those changes, right? Which is what assuming they want because they want to be successful. So we have an implementation team that works with that. And then and and we have and then we have a billing team that's working on the back end. But there's a lot of a lot of changes. More often than not, we're making a lot of changes within within the facility. And then we have a team for that, you know, client visits, facility visits, whether it's on at the facility location, a corporate back office, whatever it may be, multiple visits, by the way, to ensure that you know, processes are being changed because that's what it's all about. It's about having, having healthy processes in place. Once you put healthy processes in place, then you're integrated and things are, you know, working almost automatically. Wow. Wow. So interesting. So you come into a facility which is really suffering and they know that they're leaving a lot of, on the table and then they, you come and you help them set up their processes. So are you making them hire more employees or are you helping them change, do what changing what they're currently doing more often than not it's about changing and restructuring and making sure that there's um, clear understanding of who does what a lot of times you walk in and there's an admissions person that's also doing business office functions or a social work person that's also doing business office functions or a business person that's doing admissions function functions lines are blurred lines are not clear and as a result people aren't producing at a high level so Coming in and, and creating very clear operational structures is, is a big part of our service and a big part of what we do. We do find sometimes that people are, you know, facilities may be short-staffed. I would say it hardly ever happens. Usually there's the ample manpower in place. It's just about, <clears throat> number one, introducing processes, which, you know, facilities didn't previously know about, but mm-hmm. also making sure that lines are very clear. You have If you have blurred lines... And this is this is really anywhere, right? If if lines are blurred, then people can't do their jobs. Whether it's within within our organization, your company that you do, facility level, the, the roles need to be clearly defined, and that's something that we really help out with. Wow, well, so it sounds like it would be that itself is a, is a tremendous value. Okay, I did. I just see that we were having too much fun here in this conversation, and we went way over the time that we usually do. Any final words that you would, any any final thoughts you would want to leave? Uh, with our listeners and with our viewers about, yeah, about the, it's really fascinating, but about this part, you would think that this is collecting your money, right? It's like, it's like not having a cashier at the supermarket. 
Like yeah, you have no idea how many people, you know, there's so many people don't want to recognize that they're, they're that they're failing. Right. Who, so many people don't want to admit that they're failing. I and mean, that's and that's a big part of it is, is is coming to understanding and accepting the fact that it can be better. And let's face it, people are also scared of outsourcing, especially AR. It's, it's, it's such a core part of their operation. Right. But we have a good team. We work together with ownership, CFOs, administrators, CEOs, whatever it may be. And, you know, the, the, the risk reward is, is a no brainer. So, you know, that, that's, that's kind of. Right. So I'll tell you like this, I, I, outsourcing, there are many different parts, like you said in the beginning, and you said it very well, the nursing home business is a very complex business and it's true. And there's, it really, there's so many different businesses within the nursing home business and compared to other settings, referring specifically to like the acute care settings, they're doing it with very, very limited resources. So they're they're a full service hotel, right? Maybe with maybe without the the swimming pool, and that might not be the case across yeah, the board. Exactly. But plus the, the the therapy department itself is its own business. The activity department is its own business. You have maintenance. You have housekeeping. It, 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 there's a business office, obviously, mm-hmm. and it also also happens to be a mini hospital, right? They say the the community hospital of yesterday is the nursing home of today. So. Mm-hmm. There's so much more that's being done now in nursing homes that you, they were only done in the hospital setting. So it is really complex. And if someone's doing it, and I would say, tell me if I'm wrong, that someone who is profitable and they are making money and they're happy with that, mm-hmm. and you're going to come in and say, oh, you can make more money. So I, you might think as an outsider, great, show me how I can make more money. I want more money. But no, if I'm already profitable, then you know I kind of think I know what I'm doing. If someone's teetering on and their business is collapsing, I assume they would be a little bit more open to some outside assistance. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. There is that is true. Some people are only only make this. Some people by nature only make decisions when they're you know at the edge of the cliff and almost being pushed over. There definitely are clients that we've many clients that we've onboarded, you know, that were in those type of situations. Mm-hmm. But everyone wants to do better. Everyone wants to wants their to collect at a high level, right? You know, even if somebody's profitable and they're and they're they're doing well, who who wouldn't want an extra two percent? Yeah. You know? Well, listen, Israel. It's thank you. It's black and white. What? It's, and, and it's black and white, right? It's uh, not like, when it comes to numbers. It's exactly. It's it's where you at, you know? Where you at? If you're doing a great job, then fine. You don't need any help. But if you're not, you know, it's very clear. So just, you know, just wanted to leave off that, you know, people listening out there can feel free to visit our website, www.comphcs.com. Okay, C-O-M-P-H-C-S.com. Shoot myself, you know, shoot me an email, Israel R at comphcs.com. I-S-R-A-E-L-R at comphcs.com. They can call our toll-free number, 877-942-4558. And there are many ways that we can assist, whether it's full scope of revenue cycle management, collection services, you know, if you don't want to outsource your entire thing, but you have, you know, challenges collecting some aged balances due to change turnover in your department or whatever it may be, we can do collection services too. It doesn't have to be a full outsource. We can assist with Medicaid applications. We have a Medicaid application division. We have a contracting and collections division, which, by the way, we didn't even get to talk about that, Shmuel. Maybe for, okay, uh, we, we really have a full suite of AR services. AR-related services is, is what we're, you know, what we're built for and, and, and what we can provide to our client base. Okay, it looks, it looks like some people really like you. Sandy Shore, Israel Rosenberg, Michael Hirsch, the best team in the business. I second that. From Morty, thanks, thanks for chiming in. Okay, yeah, I, one question I'm curious with, just to, before we let you off the hook, are there business? Are there nursing home operators today that are collecting at ninety nine percent plus without any outside assistance? I'd be foolish to say no. Have I seen that? I don't think so. But I'd be a fool to say no because I don't know everyone's operation. 
And I'm not, you know, I'm not one that's on a high horse to say that, you know, we do a job that nobody else can ever do. I'm sure there are people out there that are operating at a very high level, even the AR industry, whether it's, you know, they have it outsourced or whether it's a really tight team with AR knowledge that they, that they put into place. I'd be a fool to say that it just doesn't exist. Most of the, the agings and, 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 and AR that, we, that I've seen from whether it's existing clients or potential clients are most of them not even, I should say all of them, are any of them at 99% before our services? The answer is no, to be honest with you. But I'd be a fool to say that it just doesn't exist, right? Maybe I just don't. Okay, listen, uh, thank you very much, Israel, for coming on the Nursing Home Podcast. Thank you. This is something, this is a topic that we haven't really gone into before. So I really appreciate the information that you've shared. And I could see that (laughs) it was very informative. And it really was because um, also I'll, I'll even speak as an administrator for a second. A lot of administrators don't really get to fully understand this process. They just get harassed by like a regional when a biller can't get through to a business office manager. And all they know is that they have to connect the dots and you know make sure that they're talking to each other without fully understanding how this really impacts the bottom line. So you really give us a very good picture of how the system works as a whole. And, and then coming in and you know each person, whether you're the administrator, whether you're the admissions coordinator, the marketer, anyone along the road, I'm talking internally, Anyone in the process, you can understand how you're, what you're doing directly impacts the bottom line and the success of the overall organization. So, I mean, for me, that was extremely beneficial. But either way, this uh, episode is live now already on LinkedIn and on Facebook, but it will be live at the nursinghomepodcast.com. All of the information, uh, the links, the phone numbers, everything will be available in the show notes as well. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today on the Nursing Home Podcast. Thank you for having me, Shmuel. One last ask. Can I get a, a, a iHeartRadio uh, little mic? Uh, you definitely can. You can have mine. Here. See, so if I can figure out how to take this off, and I'll g- give it right to you. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Shmuel. Now that you've enjoyed this episode of the Nursing Home Podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd rate this podcast and let everyone else know what an amazing resource this is for those wanting to learn anything and everything about the nursing home industry. So head on over to ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Again, ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Leave me a review and let the world know what an amazing show this truly is. Thank you so much for listening. And make sure to stay tuned and subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes.